Welcome to Between the Guidelines. This is a podcast for outdoor leaders who are interested in the interpersonal. On this show, you'll hear the stories of incredible outdoor professionals, who they are, how they're making a difference, and how you can too. I'm your host, Ben Wright, and as an outdoor professional with a decade of experience guiding, teaching, and leading others, I'm here to give you the knowledge I've gained along the way. Thank you for tuning in and walking between the guidelines with me today. On the show today is Ben Robertson, a father, a fly fishing guide, and the co-founder of Guidebook. At Guidebook, Ben's mission is to create a platform where guides can get the exposure they need for free and easily interact and communicate with their clients. By using Guidebook, clients can find a guide for a world-class trip, see the guide's availability and pricing, book them, and pay for their trip without ever missing a beat. In this interview, Ben and I talk about his journey into outdoor recreation, through guiding, and over the challenges of becoming a co-founder of this amazing new company. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show, write a review, and check out my Substack at betweentheguidelines.substack.com. Tell me a little about yourself, man. Yeah, sure. Hey, I'm Ben Robertson. I'm one of the co-founders for Guidebook. Um, I'm also a fly fishing guide on the Cumberland River in Kentucky. Um, probably my most important job. I've got three kids. <laughs> um, and I live here in Louisville, Kentucky. Fly fishing is is a huge passion of mine and has shaped a lot of a lot of the the ways that my life has has ended up going. <laughs> so mm. happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Tell me a little bit about sort of your start. How did you get into outdoor rec? How did you get into fly fishing? Yeah, outdoor rec in general. I, you know, I feel lucky to have grown up in Kentucky. Um, when I was a kid, I always wished my parents would have moved us to Colorado or Montana because of the mountains and the snowboarding and the fishing and the hunting. But turns out living in Kentucky was actually a really great place to grow up because it gave me the opportunity to play outside for most of the year. I got to do a lot of really cool camping and, and fishing and hunting as a kid and, and on into my adulthood. And, and I, I kind of naturally, I guess, experienced some of the things that, that you see as outdoor rec now, but just felt like part of my life then, you know, we were always in the wood, in the woods or in the Creek or hiking around. And, and that's, you know, that's something people pay money to do now. And I just got to do it. So I guess, I guess I got into it naturally, but my, my dad was an Eagle Scout and I never enjoyed Boy Scouts. I tried it until kind of fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It just wasn't yeah. my, wasn't my thing, but um, he taught me everything kind of that he knew that was applicable for my life. And we, mm. we spent a lot of time together out, outside. And then I started fly fishing um, kind of really seriously in college. And my wife and I got married when we were 18 and 19. And wow. we're still, we're still married. Thank goodness. And, uh, Love that. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Um, and she's a better angler than I am and really better, better than angler than most people I know. And, and so we spent kind of all of our time and money, which, which wasn't a lot of money, but was a lot of time mm. fly fishing everywhere we could go, uh, <laughs> when we first got married until our kids were born. Um, and so I was lucky enough to, to meet and become friends with, 
tons of people who are now sort of leading our industry, you know, folks that work at our bank or Orvis or, or have a guide company they've been running for 10 or 15 years now. Wow. Um, we, we became friends with those folks, fishing friends. And, you know, that ended up helping me as we started guidebook, just be able to speak to the right people and get the right feedback and, and build it in a way that was intuitive and, and actually mm. helped people in the industry. So, mm. and then, and then I guess after several years of guiding, uh, several years of fishing, I realized that I liked rowing a boat and netting people's fish as much as I did fishing. And it just mm. made sense to gu guide a little bit and uh, to try to get some people on the water. So I did that. And then we ended up starting guidebook. That's incredible, man. I, I absolutely want to get into guidebook in a little bit. One question that I have for you is you started out doing outdoor rec and fly fishing and hiking and, and all that as a kid. And then you, what was sort of the transition into the guide world I've found, and it's true for me that I had a great first experience rock climbing in West Virginia when I was uh, a boy scout mm -hmm. at a, a summer camp and just getting on the rock. It was like this feeling of like, whatever this is, I need all of it. I need to experience as much as I can. And I'd go out and climb as, as much as I was able to at the time. Uh, started working at gear shops, started working at like climbing gyms, started working as a climbing guide. And it transitioned from my experience of the outdoors as a participant to helping participants get that experience. Do, do you yeah. find that that's sort of been the same motivation for you where you're saying like, I enjoy taking people out as much as I enjoy fishing myself, or is there something else that kind of drives you there? You know, that, that is certainly true. Um, and you hear that a lot that, that like someone gets into guiding because they're, uh, not that your story's not unique. I'm not saying that, but totally. I hear guys, I hear guides say a lot. Like I, I taught my first person and realized that I got as much out of it as I did catching a fish myself. And then I wanted to do it. And, and that's, that's an awesome story. And in some ways it is my story too, but honestly, I think if I'm being a little more vulnerable, I got into guiding for a slightly different reason, which mm. is I'm, I'm someone who is very driven by goals and by mm. things that I want to accomplish, which is probably why I ended up being an entrepreneur, but it's, I, I started fishing and then I wanted to be really good at fishing. And, and then I wanted to get into other kinds of fly fishing, you know, saltwater or uh, tight lining or, or going after some carp. And then I wanted to get good at that. Right. And, and like I said, a second ago, Molly, my wife and I didn't have a ton of money when we first got married and first got into fly fishing and really still don't have a ton, but um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, and so we didn't go fishing with guides every day. We didn't go fishing with guides even every year. And it was something that if I got the experience to go out with a guide, I cherished that experience. And I really looked up to those guides as the experts of our sport, um, mm. a, a sport that was really becoming part of my life in a really deep way. And so from the beginning, I really looked up to guides. I mm. thought they were, you know, just the coolest people on the river. I wish I was as good as them. And then when I got to the level that people wanted me to take them fishing, I wanted to get good at it, if that makes sense, and, oh, really? and see if and see if that side of things was something I was also capable of doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm by no means the best guide out there. I'm not even the best guide on my river. <laughs> um, but 
it is something I deeply enjoy and respect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes from a really authentic place. That's great, man. Now, fly fishing is definitely not my forte. Rock climbing is where my background comes in. But yep. what does it look like to kind of transition from sort of uh, recreational fly fisherman into a guide? Is there some sort of standardized process, certifications? I'm sure you've got to get, you know, a boat insurance extra flies because people yeah, lose them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. There's definitely a mindset shift as well mm-hmm. as some legal things you got to take care of. And actually, the the legal side of it is different in every state. Mm-hmm. So you know, some of the folks listening might be from out West and, and in Montana or Colorado or Idaho, you have to work through an outfitter. And, and in, in one of those cases, you can't even advertise on Instagram that you're a fly fishing guide. And so you've got to pay close attention to your, your um, department of fish and wildlife rules and regulations around being a guy. That's definitely incredibly important. But for me, the legal side of it, all I had to do is get a guide license through the Department of Fish and Wildlife, get first aid certified. And then we have a kind of boater safety online class that you have mm. to go through, which is, it's not a huge deal, but it is very important, especially mm. if you're going to be rowing people around on, on moving water. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, there's the legal side of things. And then you, you mentioned getting more flies and I'd say that's more of a mindset shift. You know, you're not just fishing for yourself anymore. You have to think about, what is going to be possible for a brand new fly angler? Um, you know, what kind of setup, what kind of technique are they going to be able to pick up fast enough to make paying me this amount of money worth it for a day where they have a great time and they leave my boat with a really good experience? How am I going to dial in my program for whoever might get in the boat? And so in my case, that's that's I've got confidence flies that I know are going to work. And during the winter, I tie, you know, a million of those so that I'm ready um, mm-hmm. for my spring and summer guiding. And that's that's pretty typical across the fly fishing industry to stock up on those flies that, you know, are going to work. And then and then as you think about your program and what you're going to do for people uh, while they're on on your boat, you kind of have a usually you have a plan for, hey, if they have this level of experience, we'll we'll try this. In my case, that would be streamer fishing. I love casting a big streamer to big trout and that's possible on our river, but it's mm-hmm. not for everybody. It's not possible for everybody. Right. And so right. the typical, typical program, we're going to be using uh, bobbers or strike indicators with a couple of nymphs below them looking for subsurface feeding trout. Um, and that's usually with a little casting instruction, kind of 15 minutes at the beginning of the day, mm-hmm. I can get people to a place where they can have fun doing that all day long. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it seems to me like there's a lot of the technical and local knowledge, right? I mean, like that is why people are hiring you, but how do you also work in that sort of interpersonal side, right? Like that seems to me like you're with somebody or a group of people for an entire day, right? You're writing yeah. this program. Yeah. Like how does that work as a guide? You know, what what have you done to create not necessarily a persona but to create you know this air of professionalism of you know you're sort of a jovial or are you a little bit more serious what does that look like in terms of your brand as a guide yeah and i'll actually do a shameless plug here real quick if that's okay (laughs) absolutely Um, (laughs) on our 
guidebook's Instagram, so guidebook.co on Instagram. We've actually been exploring that question. Guides can be a lot of different things for a lot of different people, right? Mm. It's some in some cases you're you I mean, you said it best. A 16 foot boat is a really intimate place, right? Mm. Like it's they're stepping into your office for the day, but you're with them for probably eight hours if it's mm-hmm. a typical day. And and they're going to experience some joy and probably some frustration and probably get a little tired towards the end of the day. And mm-hmm. So you might end up wearing many different hats. Sometimes you're their counselor. Sometimes you're their buddy, you know, telling crazy stories. Sometimes you're, it's just a complete professional relationship. And all they want you to do is get them on that fish that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you know, if, if I'm advising or if I'm saying this is what to expect, like you want to gauge your client to kind of try to figure out what they, what they need or what they expect. Um, and then, and then, you know, it's also your, your office, it's your boat. And so sometimes a day of fishing with you is just going to include certain things. For me, I'm always going to tell the story when we pass a certain stretch on the Cumberland, I'm always going to tell you how there's a nest of, of bald eagles there and, and hopefully we'll see them today. And then usually we do, and it makes for a cool experience. You know, I'm always going to tell you, I'm always going to tell you a little bit about the geography and a little bit about Kentucky, because those are things that I love. Um, And I'm, I'm certainly always going to tell you about the fish. When Mm. we get it out of the water, I'm going to tell you everything I can tell about that fish um, because it makes that experience special to you. But it also means that moving forward, when you get out of my boat and leave and go somewhere else, you're going to have an appreciation for what you just experienced that hopefully will, will give you a comp- conservation mindset, you know, at least a, a little bit of one, like a seed of a conservation mindset. Mm. And also a mindset about our, our sport that is less consumer and more appreciative, you know, experience. I love that. Experience. I, or, yeah. I, I'm blanking on who said it, but there's the phrase that says, you know, they don't remember you. They remember how you made them feel. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I find that that's been the the case for me uh, working as a guide is that it's like not necessarily like being Mr. Upbeat all the time, but sort of matching. Matching isn't even the right word because, you know, somebody comes in and they're really down. You don't want to match that. You know what I mean? Like, but you oh, yeah, figure yeah. out how the counterpoints and how to complement what they're doing to give them a, a great day. Sounds like you yeah. absolutely got it down pat. Um, well, you know, you try. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Moving from sort of the guide side, you are a co-founder for Guidebook. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So that, and in some ways, this conversation has gone in a very convenient direction. <laughs> you know, I mentioned that we, we've we fished all over the place, all over the country, and I met all these people. And I also have talked a little bit about guiding myself. And, and what those two experiences meant is that I got very familiar in recent years, kind of the last five or six years, with the pain points that mm. the typical guide across the country is, is facing, right? Like, I know a lot of people who guide 200 plus days a year, and I don't guide that much, but I also experienced some of these pain points that mm. those guides are facing. And so, two summer, kind of two summers ago, or I guess two and a half years ago now, whenever that was summer of 21, I, I, I had a pretty frustrating summer in terms of the back end work that needs to be done to keep a guide business 
thriving. You know, I was missing trips here and there because I couldn't, I couldn't get in touch with the client soon enough. They had already booked somebody else. By the time I got back to them, mm. my phone fell in the fell in the river at one point, and I didn't have the texts to like get back to the person. You know, whatever the oh, case gosh. may be. Yeah. Um, the back end of the business is tough when you're an expert fisherman and not necessarily an expert bookkeeper or mm. office manager, right? And so, yeah. and you know, you hear the same. I've hear, heard the same things from my friends out west and and in Florida, and so it's. It, it, it just became clear. A guy asked me, Hey, where can I leave you a review? And I didn't have anywhere for him to do that. You can do it on mm-hmm. Google. You can do it on your website. Maybe if you've put the effort in to build that in, but I didn't have anywhere for him to leave a review. And it just left this little impression in my mind that if there had been a place for him mm-hmm. to leave a review online, that would be really cool. And then, you know, some of my other frustrations started to kind of bubble up where it was like, well, if there was a place to message clients in the same place where they could leave a review, that'd be really cool. And if I could take payment and get tipped in that same place and manage my Mm. calendar and have a little online presence, all of that would be really cool. Right. And so those ideas started to surface. I was having conversations with um, my now business partner, Stuart Jordan here in town and he lives in Louisville as I do. and, And we were connected through mutual friends and, we just started brainstorming business ideas and, and how, how some of this stuff I'm talking about could get turned into a tech platform and what that would need to look like. And then we started pursuing, you know, folks that could open doors for us or people that might have some insight and eventually got connected with Perry Azevedo, who lives in Washington state. Um, he's a big steelhead and, and trout guy there, salmon guy, loves fly fishing and has worked in tech for his whole career. And we got connected with him through a mutual friend. And he said, hey, this idea is amazing. I'd love to come on as your co-founder and build the platform for you. So, yeah, so Perry built the first version of our platform and we launched that this past June and then pretty quickly realized that it wasn't going to be enough because we had too many guides signing up and we had too much, too much happening. The platform started to get a little glitchy. Man, what a um, problem so, to have. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a good problem to have. And so we hired a small development team and have been working for several months. And hopefully we'll have a new version of that platform built in really robust code ready in the next couple of weeks. We're shooting for the first of February. So it's an exciting time around here. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That sounds incredible. For, yeah, for you. you, has it been a smooth transition going from just recreational to guide and then to founder what what has been some of the new responsibilities and challenges that you've worked through trying to build well, out this platform for others yeah i think it, yeah one of the things that probably is most relevant here is that i've never fished less than i've fished in the last year um man i'm dying to go fishing right now because it just <laughs> It takes a ton of work, believe it or not, mm. to to start a business. Um, and so that's something to look out for. Your free time kind of goes away. Mm. Um, and, and you don't get to scratch the itch at all, even with clients. I didn't get to guide but two or three trips this past summer because mm. we just had to go to trade shows and had to go do this and that, trying to make the business work. And so that that's one thing to consider for sure. Another thing is... It also, I mean, it's, it's a whole different business, obviously, right? Like at the beginning, it kind of felt like we were 
we were building a fishing product, but in reality, we're building a tech product that is for fishing guides, right? Right. So I get to talk to a lot of fishing guides and I get to interact with the fishing industry a lot, but some of the demands in place on our time and on our, our brain space and on our meetings are more in line with a tech company. So that's mm-hmm. something I maybe didn't expect at first as well. And not a bad problem, just, just something you have to adjust to. But I would say too, uh, as a third answer to your question, that that guides are some of the most hardworking and creative and adaptable people that I know of. They have to be to make their, yes. to make their chosen field work, right? And so yes. they, they probably are ideally suited to be entrepreneurs because those are three qualities that being a founder takes as well. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, speaks to the power of guidebook is that I'm sure there's lots of guides who are wanting to take that next step, but moving into the owner of an outfitter, you know, as their role takes them away from what they love. And so it's like, all right, y'all can step into that gap and be the sort of helpful place that guides and and guide services can go to. I think that's awesome. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, Now, initially, when we first sort of communicating back and forth, I had signed up for your service as a climbing guide. (laughs) And you you reach down, you're like, hey, great. We want to move in that direction. What are some of the ways that you sort of foresee guidebook growing, you know, as you're getting off the ground and and getting the, is it WeFund, WeFunder? What do you got there? Yeah, so we've got a um, an opportunity for anybody to invest in Guidebook. Um, it's a crowdsourced investing platform called WeFunder.com. And if you want to go check out our page, it's WeFunder.com slash Guidebook. You can get more information about everything we're doing, but especially the, the, the fundraising side of it and kind of our journey growing the business. You can definitely do that. But in terms of the roadmap moving forward into the future... We started with fly fishing mostly because that's where most of my experience and most of my connections are. And so it made, it made logical sense. Plus fly fishing is, is an industry where guides and the guide business has been around for a long time. So, um, you know, talking to guides about how to make their business better about how to help them is not as challenging as it would be if we had set out to build a platform for bird watching guides. That's mm. not necessarily something that's that's been around formally for very long, if it is at all. But that said, we, we do have ambitions to expand into other sports, hopefully by the end of this year. And rock climbing is one of those. Hunting is another. And then there are several other opportunities in front of us that we're excited to pursue in other guided sports. But but before we do all of that, we want to dial in fly fishing and then conventional fishing really, really well, including all aspects. Um, so we, what I mean by that is here at the beginning, this first several six months, say, we've, we've served mostly independent guides. And our next big change is really serving outfitters well and giving them an opportunity to manage multiple guides at one time and have multiple guides going on trips that are booked at one time, be able to oversee their messages and their calendars and their their pages to be able to to deal with what they're offering through you as an outfitter. So that's kind of our next big move. And then after that, we've got some really cool stuff coming up with hosted trips and and stuff like that, that 
a guides who already use guidebook um, can then implement to just offer a wider range of services. That's awesome. That, that yeah. is really incredible to me that, you know, there's a lot, it seems to me there's a lot of forward thinking in, all right, we're building this side of it. We want this to be really good, you know, before yeah. expanding too widely. Who is the brain bank for where y'all are going? I'm sure that there's a ton of people that are saying like, hey, we want this feature. We want that feature. How are y'all deciding, you know, how much to expand, wh where to focus your energy, how to not make it too clunky? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I think it's probably good business practice, especially at the beginning, to to be um, more quality than 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 being a mile wide and an inch deep. I don't know what the opposite of that is, but mm. you want to you want to be the opposite of that at first, I would think, and offer really high quality product, even if it's in a niche industry, a really small sector. You know what I mean? Simply because when you dial that in, then you can duplicate what you've done in that industry in other industries. And maybe when you first start out, you don't realize everything that's at play. Um, we're talking about tech and that's got, I mean, a huge gamut of details and, and timelines and functions and platforms that you have to use to build the tech. And then you're talking about marketing and today marketing changes every day. And so being on top of that is really tough. And then social media on a number of platforms and then, and then just the, the people side of it, right? Like you have to have somebody who knows how to talk to the, the folks that you're trying to serve in this case, fly fishing guides. So there are a lot of balls in the air at once and it would be incredibly hard to try and tackle more than one industry here at the beginning. Um, right. And so does that answer your question or did I just almost get there and forget where I was headed? <laughs> no, no, that that's great. Um, it seems to me like the challenge I would see is that you're building it for not just the guides, but also the customers. So yeah. has that sort of been a process that, you know, you're like, it's great on the guide side and then the customer side needs a little work or it's great on the customer side and guides still, you know what I mean? What, where do you sort of draw the lines of where yeah. to focus your attention there? Yeah, no, another good question. We, so to get in line with kind of the formula you just set up, it has been better on the guide side than the mm -hmm. client side so far. Um, and simply put, I think a lot of that is based on the tech, right? Like, like I said, we have a really good looking product and it, it ostensibly was built to do what we needed to do, but we almost had too many guides sign up for it to be as functional as you want it to be, to give the clients a good experience. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we expect that to change soon, but without question, it also makes sense to, build up our guide pool before we really go out and, and market it to death so that we have the quote unquote inventory to provide the clients looking to book a trip in, in some of the key places across the country, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So that, that was so like certain, the next yeah. question was, you know, where do you build up? Like we've got all of these guides, but we need to have enough clients using the site to make it worth their time. We've got all yep. of these clients, but we need to have guides to satisfy the need. That is yep. incredible, man. Love that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough dynamic, but I think we're getting there. We're we're dialing it in slowly, and we've found 
um, through trial and error and through a lot of research and hard work and talking to people, we've found a formula that I think is going to work moving forward. Um, and so we're, ex- we're excited about that. Awesome. Now you, you mentioned the, the WeFunder. Is there anywhere else that people can support or learn more or follow you or get involved? Yeah. I mean, of course I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of, it is what it is. <laughs> people love and hate it. <laughs> You're welcome to connect with me though. Um, our Instagram page is probably our most exciting thing that's happening with guidebook right now. My wife, Molly is kind of a social media guru and, and she actually runs our Instagram page for us and does an incredible job, but that's at guidebook.co. Um, we'd love for you to follow along what we're doing. We, we try and highlight as many aspects of the guide life as we can <clears throat> with, you know, input from, from some of the guides that are working with us. You can go to guidebookco.com and check out what we're doing. Keep your eyes peeled for a, a complete platform overhaul in the next couple of weeks uh, that we're really excited about. And then other than that, I think we've got a Facebook, but the last thing is just that we funder. If anyone wants to kick in a hundred bucks or more, you can invest in a growing startup in the outdoor space that really values your input and your uh, participation. So wefunder.com slash guidebook. Love it. That's great, man. Now, now moving backwards, we sort of talked about guidebook. We've talked about you as a guide going back to the beginning uh, or really any point throughout your tenure in outdoor recreation. Is there an experience that kind of stands out to you as the, the moment that you're like, whatever I do, I want to do outdoor recreation. I want to get people outside, you know, whatever it looks like, including becoming a founder of this platform. Right. Yeah, man, that's an incredible question that I probably can't nail down completely um, to one moment, but it doesn't, it doesn't take very long in fly fishing. If you're catching fish to, to really catch the bug and understand what's happening when you're connecting with a wild creature. But even without the fish, there's something magical about moving water. In my opinion, it's just like, there's plenty of writers have covered it, covered it, but there's something crazy to me about standing in a river or a Creek and knowing that the droplet of water that just went by will eventually end up in the ocean and, and, you know, it all just keeps coming. Like Mm. there's something about that that inspires me. But I guess if I had to nail it down to one fishing experience, I was in New Zealand several years ago. I guess it was probably six years ago now. And we were fishing and and we, we saved up a bunch of money and we went there and we, my son went with us and we actually trucked his Christmas presents all the way to New Zealand and, and, and spent two weeks um, two weeks there, Molly and I, and, and our, our son Rowan, and we, we could afford one day with a guide. And so we went out with this guy named Chris door and we spent almost all day, not catching fish and just hearing Chris's stories and looking at the beautiful scenery straight out of, you know, Lord of the Rings. And we, Molly caught a 12 pound brown trout on a dry fly. And it was the most insane experience I've ever, I've ever had. And it was at the very end of the day. And so, yeah, I guess that's the one I would point to. I love that. That is an incredible story. Uh, yeah, thanks, I man. think last yeah. question. Oh, excuse me. What were you saying? I was just going to say, um, I am at the bus stop and my kids are about to get in the car. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. so sorry to 
do that. No, you're totally good. Last question I have for you is if you could give yourself advice when you first started out as an outdoor rec professional, what would you want your past self to know, knowing what you know now? Let me wait till they shut the doors here. Um, If I could go back in time and give myself advice, I think it would be just to soak it all up um, even more than I did. And, and when you're, when you get the chance to go out in nature and, and do something amazing, treat it, treat it like it's something amazing, you know, like in one sense, our world is changing, the climate's changing, you know, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that there will still be trout around when Rowan is old enough to guide, if that's what he wants to do. But even if that wasn't the case, we should cherish those moments because, you know, a fishing day will never happen the same way again. And I hate to get too philosophical on you, but just like that river that flows by and won't ever be the same, you're not ever going to get that specific moment again. And so I think if I could go back to those early days, I would soak it up even more than I did. And I, I wouldn't necessarily worry about some of the little stresses that can get in our way in the, in our early twenties. You know what I mean? I would, I would just really be there. And I think that's still true today. Um, and I, I probably appreciate them even more now that I have to work a lot harder. <laughs> that's awesome. Man. Well, you really are getting after it. You're crushing it. I really appreciate you taking time and being on the show today. Man, thanks for having me. It was a blast. And, and you're such a nice guy. I'm happy we connected. Oh my gosh, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this information enlightening or encouraging for your journey in outdoor recreation, make sure to subscribe and consider sharing this episode with a friend. Please take some time to write a review of the show. It really does make a difference, and I'd love to hear what you think. You can always listen on Spotify or find me on Substack by searching Between the Guidelines. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like me to cover, feel free to email me at betweentheguidelines at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. And remember, they're just guidelines.